you know, so sometimes we just need to catch ourselves when we're being really negative and down, you know, okay, I, I can't do anything or, you know, this is hopeless. You've got to change, you've got to change the tape, you've got to change the, the language. Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Can you guess what that noise is? We could do like a um, guess the sound competition. It's the fridge, because yes, um, you've caught me having just finished doing some filming. We've been making a new feature for the business website, SON Development, my guest has left, and I thought I'd do the intro to episode 74 in this great big echoey room. Anyway, enough rambling about where I am. What's in this episode? Well, this episode features a chap called Mark Billage from Smart Culture. And I tell you what, it is a jam-packed hour. We look at resilience, which of course is a great subject to be looking at in these particularly challenging times. We look at communication knowing your voice, other people's voices, and we touch on Mark's new book, I See You. Come back at the end of the episode for more information on that. This conversation was recorded in June of this year, 2021. Uh, the episode is going out in October, so, so Mark's book is now out and about. Anyway, I'll tell you more about that at the end. Let's move away from this to a calmer place back in June, with Mark Billage. Oh, and don't forget, stick to the end so you can find out about the new book. I am delighted to have at the end of the line, Mark Billage from Smart Culture. Are you there, Mark? Uh, hi, Steve. Yes, I'm here, reading you loud and clear. Oh, fantastic. Over. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, you're from Smart Culture, and we're going to talk about loads of stuff um, in the sort of development arena. We want to talk about resilience. We've got a book coming out and, and all sorts of stuff. But I don't know if you've heard any of our episodes. For some bizarre reason, I have started off every episode I have a conversation with someone asking them if they have socks on and what colour their socks are. Please answer <laughs> this important question. <laughs> yeah, sure. I do have socks on, which is yes. good. And they're a, uh, a light blue colour. Hey! <laughs> I get, I get. Excuse me. I get excited when people um, people introduce colour. I like. <laughs> I do like a bit of colour. Okay. Well, Great. Mark. First of all, before we kind of get going around resilience and some of these other subjects we want to talk about, can you just tell us a little bit about Smart Culture yourself? What 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 the business does? Who yeah, you sure. are? How you got into it? Yeah. Sure. So, um, up until when was it? Last year, beginning of the year, I was. Um, CEO of a charity and uh, I what I was doing then was um, was brilliant really enjoyed it but I felt like what I was doing there had come to an end and during my entire life I've always enjoyed um, training and development and uh, that's been really good uh, I've built a couple of teams doing that and worked with field teams overseas so I wanted to do that more full-time. I've always enjoyed unlocking people potential. 
Um, so that's when I came up with the idea of smart culture. And uh, I incorporated that in April last year and uh, wasn't quite planning on the pandemic. But um, yeah, that's that was my my passion is to unlock people potential. My passion is to kind of create great team culture. And uh, in doing that, I work with leaders because leaders tend to set the culture. Just tell me a bit more about why why leaders set the culture. Okay, so obviously they have the most, in one sense, they have power um, and, you know, positional authority. But they have the, in that sense, they set the framework for how things happened. So because the authority rests with the leader, they can deal with behavior that's perhaps not conducive to people bringing their contribution. They're often not aware of what's going on. Uh, when people, when I talk about culture and leaders setting the culture, I tend to say if you've been in that position for about 18 months to two years and you don't like the culture of your team, that culture is reflecting you. So if you don't like it, you have to change something about the way that you're leading and change some things within the team. Um, and generally speaking, I focus on communication and relationships because they're the two main things that affect the performance of the team. And so the business smart culture, are are your clients leaders? Is that predominantly where um, people get help from? Yeah, so uh, I work with leaders, but I mean, I need to work with the whole team if we're going to get a brilliant result. So um, obviously the leaders would be the ones that need to invite me in. But uh, and I and I stress that it's it's being it's the leader being aware of themselves. And it's also every team member being aware. It's about people understanding what it's like to be on the other side of them to experience themselves. Um, So, yeah, it is to do with the leader. Uh, but actually, I get the most joy, in fact, out of working with entire teams um, and getting them to see what it's like uh, interacting with each other and ways in which they can actually improve their communication. I think I'm going to have a um, I'm going to have a podcast bingo. There are certain words we like to hear. Joy is definitely one of them. <laughs> so uh, I'm very pleased you used the word joy um, from entire teams. Now, this these services, the, 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 these areas you work in. This isn't just theory. You've been there and you've got the T-shirt, haven't you? You've been a CEO, worked in senior management roles as well. So this stuff comes from experience, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, you can hit, there are always lots of theories about, you know, the way that you do stuff and do team and do team development. But actually on the ground experience is, is what I have over 25 years uh, of experience in running teams. So hopefully I picked up a few good things hopefully got rid of a few bad things. So uh, hopefully that can bring that to the to the table. So thinking about your business then and, and kind of who your clients are and the services that you offer, what um, we've talked about leadership, we've talked about culture. Mm. Practically, what's better in businesses as a result of people spending time with you? Okay, so um, if I was to, if I was to, I'll give you an example. If I was to say to you, um, I'm thinking about a cat and that cat is think, is actually sitting on a rug. Um, then obviously you're thinking about a black cat on a white rug, aren't you? What Not, is r- rather spooky is Pepper, my cat, is on a rug. 
This is quite weird, actually. I'm a bit worried that you're in the room with me now. You've got a camera here. We haven't put the camera on, have we? Um, no. But she's, but she's not on a white rug. So, no. phew. A few. But I think the, the thing is that most people, when they communicate, when they say something, they think yeah. they've been understood. Yeah. And the purpose of communication is to understand each other. What I found is that um, people don't understand necessarily other people's voices. Um, so what I do is help people understand their own voice, uh, their own leadership foundational voice, and understand the other voices around the table. And you tend to find that you will um, resonate easier with people who have similar uh, voices to yourself and find it harder to access others. And what I'm about is trying to help people in that dynamic of um, interaction to say, you know, when that guy's in the, in the meeting, I really don't understand what, he, what he's saying. Or is he just really trying to wind me up? And actually what we're trying to do is help people understand that people are not being intentional usually about that kind of thing, but are actually just seeing things differently um, and expressing them through their voice. And it's about being able to access, appreciate that and see where people are coming from. Because if you've got all the voices involved, if you're hearing everybody, then the decision-making, the communication and everything really ramps up. That's really interesting. I've, I've not heard that phrase before, actually, understanding their voice. Mm. Um, what, so what are, the, what are the different voices that you deal with? So what I do is um, I use a system that's based around Myers-Briggs, which you may have heard of. Yeah. Um, and uh, Myers-Briggs is great. It's a really good um, system, but it, 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 sometimes you need the guru in the room to kind of keep explaining it. Um, yeah. So five voices, as we call it, is a system based around uh, Myers-Briggs. Um, it uses five different voices from nurturer, creative, connector, guardian and pioneer and each of those voices has champions different things expresses itself differently reacts differently to stress um, and it's just about understanding how that works in a team situation and how we can support challenge each other and and do things like that so that's why I say voice and voice is quite helpful because then you think yeah everybody has a voice um, and a way of seeing things and it's just a it's helpful language because what we're trying to do is create a common sticky language by which the team can communicate better. Yeah. So that's why I use it. I really like that because, I mean, there are <laughs> there are so many self-analysis tools around, aren't there? You know, what mm. colour are you? What's your Clifton strength? And they are all very useful. But what I particularly like about voice is, as you say, that's language people can understand. And literally, uh, you know, how someone is communicating is, is clearly derived from their voice, obviously literally and not literally yes um and and that does seem like an area that works for people so what do, what do people get out of it ultimately what do people say they've got out of spending some time with you and and, and their team together what for me is the you know we talked about joy the joyful moment for me is when the light bulb comes on and oh. people understand oh right so that's what's going on so just to give you a little example with my own family um, I was doing this stuff with them, you know, lockdown stuff. And um, I just realized that um, my two daughters and my son uh, were entirely opposite in terms of their voices. And it mm. kind of explained a lot of things <laughs> uh, in the kind of growing up process. Yeah. So that was really helpful. And when you understand that, you think, well, actually, it's not deliberate then. That's actually how somebody sees the world. It's how they're wired. To understand your wiring, to become self-aware, allows you to also self-manage. Mm. 
because sometimes operating at, operating out of default has consequences that you didn't you don't really want. Um, and so it's thinking into that. You can't change your wiring, but you can change your behaviour and, and the you know corresponding actions. So so that's why it's really um, good. People really like that and think, oh, yeah, okay, I understand my colleague a lot better now. So it's really just trying to help people understand each other. So if you think, actually, uh, my colleague, I don't really understand this kind of way of looking at the world, but because they do, they are going to understand this particular issue much better than me. And yeah. it would be really interesting to get their perspective on it. Having that kind of awareness of people's strengths and what they champion can make a, a whole discussion different. Doesn't mean you don't disagree, but it does mean that the dis is more more um, content and information is coming into the into the decision making process. And then presumably, I'm sitting here nodding. I keep forgetting this is an audio medium, isn't it? <laughs> um, and then presumably, the leader can think about um, if they're clearer about. Um, the voices that their recipients like to hear things in, they can adapt their style. But presumably also it it helps the leader see the strengths and weaknesses amongst the team and how the team operate with each other. It does, yeah. I think one of the things to be really aware of is, is the power of your voice. So some voices are more powerful, um, both in terms of impact and volume. Uh, so some people won't speak if they don't feel it's safe to do so. Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously some people process uh, internally, others process externally. So it's yeah. being aware of all of that in the mix and thinking, okay, so a brilliant one with the people who process internally is well, obviously when you speak, you tend to bring your conclusion to the table um, uh, and you don't speak unless you really thought it through. But for somebody who processes externally, they're just beginning their conversation. There's often quite big misunderstandings between the two because of that. And uh, I usually say to those who process internally, just ask a question. Is this your conclusion? Is this where you're ending up? Or are you just, you know, um, exploring the, the, the topic? Um, because that can just be really helpful to see where people are at. I like that. That's. I, I was in a session um, a couple of weeks ago with a group of about, about 15 people. And there was a particular subject that two people felt very vocal about. And mm. they wanted to have a separate team meeting about this subject. Other people in that session were were quite quiet. Yeah. And the very vocal people were saying, you know, we we all need to be together and we all need to 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 have this conversation about this subject. And of course, the quiet people um were reflecting on what was being said and thinking about it and so on. But of course, the very vocal people felt that because they were vocal and being vocal was important to them, that they assume that everyone wants the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas actually, some of those people in that room would much rather have a one-to-one -one conversation with the various supervisors and, and, and people that are involved. Um, and it's really interesting to see to, to see that from the outside and understand the dynamic of what's going on there when actually the person who's most vocal is bringing in a fully formed conclusion and yet the other people in the room, I need a bit of time to go and think about that and decide yes. what I think about that, which is yes, oh, interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to do your job. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. 
And, and what kinds of people do you work with? I mean, big teams, small teams, corporate, private, what, how does that work? Yeah, I, either really. So, I mean, I come re- my most recent stint is obviously in a charity context. Um, okay. But, you know, I can also, it also rings true for most teams. Um, you just have tend to have different subject matter, obviously, and different expectations, which is good to know. But yeah, it, it, this works in, in, in most situations, private, corporate. You can do it as a kind of workshop with, with several teams in the room, or you mm-hmm. can do it as, a, as an executive team or, or smaller. Um, the idea is that it's rolled out across an organization because that's what you want to see. You want to see that kind of team transformation. So any, any of the above, really. And then before we move on to kind of our subject of choice and also your book, which we must talk about, I noticed on the on, on the website that you've also got a thing called cross-cultural training there. So what is, what is to the uninitiated, what is cross-cultural training? Cross-cultural training, yeah, good good question. Uh, so um, my family has, uh, has experience of living overseas. Uh, I was The charity I was part of was also involved in equipping people to go overseas. So it, cross-cultural training is basically becoming aware of a different culture. So obviously, we, you know, when, we, when you're born, when you grow up, you don't actually have that sit down and have that kind of, you know, why do we do things like that? Or, you know, there are some things that are kind of just you know how to do because you're part of the culture. And when you move into a different culture, uh, we moved into uh, the Indian culture, there are some things you just don't know why they are done. And you and what cross-cultural training does is sensitize you to those issues and, and helps you equip you to deal with some of the things that you would experience, like culture mm-hmm. shock, which, you know, when you arrive, everything's brilliant. You know, you like the smells, the sounds, the, the quaint little customs that are going on. And then after about six to nine months, those same things become really grating on you. And that's the point right. at which you're entering into, into a culture shock. And it's a standard thing that happens. And if you don't know it's coming or you don't know how to deal with it, you can, it can be really unnerving. So we're just helping people equip them to go into different cultures um, and to, to some extent understand cultures that are, are now part of our own nation as well. You know, um, obviously you've got lots of cultures that are, are coming in and uh, it's good to have that kind of knowledge as to know how to deal with it. I was going that. to ask, actually, because, I mean, obviously a lot of, you know, my time, I've worked for lots of national um, organisations. And, of course, they they span a whole range of cultures, depending whether the business unit is in Manchester or the southwest or Scotland. And sure. understanding how how to interact with those cultures well would feel like a real, a real asset to a business. I think one of the things in one of the... Peculiar things. I mean, people think they're peculiar both ways, you know, but um, I found it very difficult initially just to understand what the, uh, the head wobble was about. You know, does it mean they agree? Does it mean, you know, and it's contextual uh-huh. generally. Okay. Yeah. Generally, it means agreement or tell me more or that kind of thing. But you don't get to know that until you've been there a little while and right. experienced it. Um, and it was, you know, it was great. I mean, uh, good to kind of find out these things. And I even managed to develop one myself, which was a little bit funny when I came home. But <laughs> <laughs> fantastic! Um, and we alluded to it to it earlier. You are a I wasn't going to say soon to be published author. You are a published author. Um, you have a book which is which is which is out stroke available on pre order. So um, I see you. Yes. What's that? 
Yeah, so what is that? Yeah, it's a good question. So I see you as a, not, in, not as in intensive care unit, um, <laughs> but as in um, looking with your eyes, I see you as in seeing... Oh, I'm and- sorry, Mark, I've, I've misunderstood. I thought we were going to talk about hospitals <laughs> now. You've, I've got a whole script here to get through. That's right, um, yeah. Okay. No, no, so it's, it's about that. Uh, it's about uh, leadership principles for transforming team culture. Right. And basically, it's just saying, it's that kind of thing. I actually see you. So... Just a bit of backstory. Um, I understand that uh, in the Zulu uh, people, Zulu nation, they actually have this greeting. Uh, instead of saying hello, they would say, I see you. Um, and the other person would say, I am here. So it's more of an existential question. It's not generally done so much these days, but certainly by older generations, they would have done that. And it's kind of coming from that to say, actually, how do we actually see each other? I mean, really see each other. Um, and understand that we have different uh, ways of speaking, different perspectives, some uh, driven by, you know, intuition, you know, the kind of ideas, concepts, patterns, dreams, those kinds of things, looking to the future. Others are driven by experience and what they can see, feel, touch, smell, that kind of thing. And we're all different, but it's actually sensitizing people to the fact that we need to actually be intentional in recognizing each other and encouraging and empowering each other to be the best version of ourselves and bring our best contribution. That's interesting. And then how does that all fit with the the demands that kind of pull people away from that interaction, social media and mobile phones and that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's really true. So some of the the book does deal with being remote um, or even hybrid teams. And Mm. I think... If anything, the, the communication piece has become more important rather than less because uh, certainly in initial research that's coming out is showing that disconnection can be a real problem. Right. And uh, so you can, I don't think you can ever over-communicate when you're, when you're virtual or remote. But there's the team culture then becomes much so the values of the team. What are the values of the team? How, what's our identity? That kind of thing becomes much more important. And you have to kind of work harder at being intentional uh, and bringing that into different conversations so that people are constantly reminded of, of who they are in one sense as an organization or a team. But you can't take these things for granted. And I think that's what I, you, you will always get a culture. You're going to get a culture by accident or you'll get a culture by intention. And I know which one I would prefer yeah. um, because then you're going to get the kind of uh, higher performance that, that teams can achieve. I like that. I I like. I see you. I am here. I might. Uh, I might adopt that because <laughs> it, it's saying so much more than hello, isn't it? Yes, it, you are actually saying something, um, which is which is interesting. And I guess you know the 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 world we inhabit now. I, I, I mean, the world we're in compared to two years ago is so different, and particularly the way people communicate. Um, you know, I run. I run lots of sessions by Zoom and, yep. and you've got, you know, we have, we've had 20 people, 25 people on a session and people would say, why are you so worn out at the end of it? And what people don't understand is that if you run a session with 20 people in a room, you can tailor your communication and generally you are only speaking to one person at a time. Yes. Whereas if you're delivering a Zoom session with 20 people on the screen, you've got 20 pairs of eyes looking back at you and that... That psychological drain yeah. 
of of being aware that 20 people are paying attention to you is, is quite significant when it's spread over a you know a, a full eight hour delivery day absolutely um, yeah and and adapting to that new style of communication and uh, and and way of interacting with people is takes some work to be able to to adapt it it takes some resilience mark it does yeah good segue <laughs> <laughs> So, and in fact, interestingly, I mean, these things all seem to interconnect because certainly in terms of communication, culture, the way people work, um, the way people interact, how difficult jobs feel, um, particularly in the new world with, you know, um, as you've referred to hybrid, people working from home, people being on furlough, not not knowing whether they've got a job or not. You know, we've been through all of that pain and and I'm sure there's plenty more to come. Um, and I'd asked if we could talk a bit about resilience because it feels like it's very, uh, very relevant to to the world as it is now. Sure. Um, and and it's a subject that you and your team um, do some training on as well. So, um, so what do you, what do you know about resilience? What why should we consider resilience? Well, I think it's it's one of those things we 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 it's obviously become much more prevalent of late. You know, talking about resilience um, and, and resilience obviously is not a new topic. Um, but you know we've been talking about you know well-being, about mental health issues over the past few months. But what we want actually resilience is about the ability to bounce back uh, from difficult and challenging circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that can cover cover a raft of different issues. And I suspect that the pandemic probably comes into into that category. And I think it's just really thinking about how do we become. Uh, more agile, more flexible, I guess. You know, we, you know, if you get knocked over, are you, how quickly are you going to be able to stand up? And uh, I, I, so that's what resilience is about for me. And we need to, we need, I think the, the, the trick is to remember that, you know, a lot of people think that resilience is a natural onboard characteristic. You either have it or you don't. And the evidence is, is really clear that resilience can be developed. And that's what my passion is. I want to help people to become more resilient so that they can, they can you know, bounce back quicker, can, can have mechanisms or steps that they can take to actually manage themselves. Now, when I, when I think of resilience, perhaps less so now, but certainly previously, I would think of resilience as being stoicist, stoicism and, and kind of grounded and made of granite. But right. Flexibility is something completely different, isn't it? That's that's almost literally the opposite. That's actually being able to flex and bend with what's going on around you. So, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that that definition of, of resilience being about being flexible and and actually how you can develop that. Okay, so I think there is you know if you think about a boat, for instance, and I'm not much of a sailor, so do forgive me anybody who's listening who is, but I, as I understand it, there are certain parts of the boat that have to be strong. And but there's other parts of the boat that need to be able to react to the changing conditions around them. And I guess that's the way I'm talking about resilience. Yes, there's an inner core, an identity, if you like, where there needs to be strength. There needs to be I understand who I am. I know my values, uh, those kinds of things. But around that, because I know who I am and know my values, I can adjust to what's going on around me. 
if uh, continuing the boat analogy, if the rain, if the wind changes direction, you need to change or adjust the sails to take advantage of that. Um, and it's the same with resilience. You need to, you know, things do change, and we've seen rapid change over the last few months. Uh, change, you know, that's kind of like been a leap forward in one respect, um, mm. and it's not going to go back the way it was before. So you've got a choice, and the and the question is always going to be how. What are you going to do yourself to react to the changes that have, that have happened? You can't say I'm not going to do anything because the change has already occurred around you, and if you don't do anything, then you'll get you get stuck, and that's that's the place not to be. Um, so resilience, in that sense, is having that core inner strength. You know who you are. You know what your values are, and you can react out of that um, to the changing circumstances around you. Who would you describe as someone who, in your view, has resilience? Is there anybody in the public arena who you think demonstrate high standards of resilience? Person that I normally or in almost instantly think of is is Nelson Mandela. I know he's not alive now, but just if you ever read any of his his biographical stuff as, as when he was in prison, he, he, he just took on every day, you know, he got knocked down on, on different occasions, but he said, you know, it's not the fact that I got knocked down. It was the, it was the ability to stand up. And, and he just went into every life, every day, you know, determined to, I'm going to learn something today. I'm going to see things in a different way. I don't have to react back to the way that I'm being treated. You don't, you know, I don't have to be the same as those who um, have, have put me in captivity, as it were. So he just every day take the advantage, what can I learn today? How can I treat others? Um, and all of that. And that's, that's to me, is resilience. It's, that it's not the fact that you get knocked down by things or that you don't face challenges. It's can you, can you bounce back? And if the more resilient you, you become, as I said, it can be developed, then the quicker that happens and you used the word learning there do you do you see learning as being key to to becoming more resilient absolutely yeah 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 i do definitely i think you have to you, you've got a choice you can either react or you can either take on the role of a victim or you can take on the role of uh of, some, of somebody who's going to take initiative uh, some some kind of action it doesn't matter how big it is either it can just be something really small it, you know i i can take this step today it's not doesn't look like a big thing, but it's it's positive and forwards, and that just changes things. It's amazing how much of an effect that can have. I, I completely understand why people um, can feel really challenged and be in that that moment. I'm not saying it's a, it's an instant thing, but it's it's not necessarily the first thought you have. But what's the second? You know, because the second can be yeah, this is a really challenging situation. But what can it actually do? with what I have in my hands or who, what help can I get to change this situation? And you, you your company, you do, a, you do a course on resilience, don't yeah. you? So we'll, um, at the end, we'll kind of tell people where they can go if they want to find out more. But just in terms of top tips, what, what one or two things do you think our listeners could, could take away that they can consider or look at in terms of starting to, to develop their resilience from a practical perspective? Yeah, sure. A lot of people say that resilient people could be optimistic. Um, and whilst I would agree to that, but with that, I would only agree with it up to a point. You, if you're going to be resilient, you need to be realistic about where you're at. You know, there's no point in saying, you know, I think um, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he was talking about uh, Admiral 
Jim Stockdale, and mm. he was talking about the fact that he was a, a prisoner in, a Viet- in the Vietnam War, and um, he said that the you know who is it that died first in the in the prison camps? He said, oh, it's easy, the optimists, because mm. they'd be saying, oh, we'll be out of here by Christmas, we'll be out of here by next Easter. If you're going to be resilient, you need to do a brutal assessment of where you are right now, and be really clear about that. That doesn't mean that you lose hope about you know what you can do into the future, but unless you know where you are, um, and uh, you know, if, I suppose put it in a, in human terms, to be authentic, you know, as a leader with your team, it, it's it's a good thing to say I'm finding this challenging as well. You know, this is affecting me, um, but these are the things that are true about us, about you, and about me. These are the things that we can do. You know, we can still respond to customers' needs. We can still serve them. We can do this, that, and the other. It doesn't deny the reality of where you are, but it also points to a, a, the hope of the future as well. So I would say I, I call it realistic optimism. Um, and I think that's a really important trait um, in, in, in resilience. You, what you've just described there also has overtures of um, Victor Frankl's mm. work as well. Yeah, yes. that, that idea that the, the optimists were the ones that struggled because they were immediately confronted by the gap between what they thought was going to happen and what actually happened. Absolutely. Um, and and there's, some, um, there's some there's some interesting similarities across you know things like Buddhism and um, uh, problem solving and all those areas where actually being realistic about what's really happening instead of focusing on how unhappy you are about what should be happening but isn't. Yes. Um, often is the key to unlocking some of that uh, yeah. some of that strength. That's right. And I, and I think the other thing is perspective. And uh, I think sometimes we can, we can say, you know, why me uh, in, in different situations, but maybe turn that around and say, okay, what can I learn from this situation? What could I, you know, change it? What, you know, we can always say, why not me as well? Um, you know, we, we, lots of bad things happen to lots of different people. Mm. Um, but some people manage to stand up quicker than others. And I think it has to do with the way you look at things. So the question I was always say is let's not look to what, who's to blame or what's gone wrong here. Let's see what we can do. Well, even if it's a small thing, as I said before, but just change the question. Think about the questions you can ask. And the other thing that, that really is a key in resilience is what are you saying to yourself? Um, the weird thing is we know we're talking here uh, to each other, but actually the person that speaks to you the most is yourself. It's that mm. self-talk. So what's your self-talk like? What are you saying to yourself? You know, so sometimes we just need to catch ourselves when we're being really negative and down, you know, okay, I, I can't do anything or, you know, this is hopeless. You've got to change, you've got to change the tape, you've got to change the, uh, the language. Um, and it, it sounds kind of popular, but it isn't, it really works. You know, uh, we can get sidetracked by our minds and what, you know, our self-limiting beliefs. So if you don't like the belief you have, change it, adopt a new belief and think about what you can actually do. So ask questions and watch your self-talk because that's really key in, in maintaining your resilience. And also be kind to yourself. Sometimes we just need a break um, <laughs> and we need to just take a rest. But uh, And if you're not getting rest and you're not getting sleep and enough exercise, then all of these things will also impact on your resilience. Yeah, we, we are. I'm a firm believer that we are the stories that we tell ourselves about yeah. ourselves. <laughs> that is what we are. 
and um, you can change the story, you can change the tape, you can you can decide that that person that cut you up on the motorway hasn't done it because they thought, I know, <laughs> I'm going to go out of my way today to try and upset Steve. Um, uh, and actually, there may be a genuine reason, there may not be, but uh, it is about the story that you, you tell yourself. I was having a conversation with someone the other day about um, an amazing story I heard of a woman who who had lost her, her child um, and and had the child had been had been um had been murdered right and um how she was able after a number of years to change the tape and say hanging on to my hatred for the person and i mean who wouldn't you know yeah natural hardwired instinct um is is only injuring me holding on to that and i you know it's so much respect for this woman i I don't think I could do it, but to be able to to hear someone's story about how they decided to change that tape and say, I'm going to start telling myself a different story, actually, that letting go of that hatred and um, developing my ability to to forgive that person. Yes. That it feels like a superhuman strength. It is, yeah. But actually how much better her life is herself as a result of that that choice. Absolutely. God, blimey, we've got into some serious territory there, haven't we? Where <laughs> Victor Frankl and uh, Prisoners of War. So I guess, it, I, listen to what you've said there and thinking about, I don't know, people's trials and tribulations these days, whether it's um, I'm working from home in an office, but the kids are around and it's mm. not an ideal environment, or um, I'm, my job has changed and I'm having to do things that... I didn't really want to do, but I'm having to do it because the job has had to change. And if I don't accept it, I haven't got a job. Yeah. Um, developing resilience in those areas, um, from what you've said, seems to be about having optimistic realism. So actually, let's pay attention to where I actually am, not where I'd like to be. Yeah. And then um, getting some perspective on it, taking a step back and, and thinking, what does that mean? And, and what story am I telling myself about about this situation? And can I tell myself a different story? Have I got that right? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, to go back to your point about Viktor Frankl, the, one of the constant patterns or that they find that researchers find in resilient people is this kind of belief. You know, they've got beliefs, they've got values that they 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 hold on to, and they and they can give meaning to what's happening around mm-hmm. them, and having that. Uh, assigning that meaning or deciding what that meaning is, seeing the purpose in things or a, a higher purpose, a wider purpose is really key in, in actually being resilient. So, mm. yeah. So you do a course on resilience. Do you, how does that course work? Is it, is it an online thing? Is it a digital thing? At the moment? Yeah. It's, you can get it online. I, I can also deliver it as a workshop, but um, yeah, you can, you can find it on my, on my website. You can access it through there. Fantastic. We'll, uh, we'll we'll put all those stuff in in the links at the end. So we've talked about culture. We've talked about communication. We've talked about leadership. We've talked about resilience. What else do you? What other areas do you work in that you think um, would be useful for people to find out more about or learn about? Well, I think everybody should be looking at how they can grow as an individual. So one of the things that I do is coaching and um, I love coaching. It's such a powerful process. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about it is it's it's really about two things. It's about asking great questions, asking really good questions. And the other thing is it's about being quiet. 
and actually listening to somebody else. Um, and listening is a very, very key part of coaching. Coaching is not about handing out advice. It's about helping people discover uh, the gold that's inside them and understand uh, and get clarity on what their next steps are in different things. We all have different roles that we do in life, whatever those, and, the, and within those different roles, there are different things that you, you might think, actually, I'm not doing really well in those areas. I'd really like mm-hmm. to um, do something about that. And a coach can get alongside you and uh, help you, you know, set your own goals within those things, uh, get clarity on, you know, what's the reality of where you are, Think about options. It's amazing to me how many op- people, how many options people can come up with just by asking a different question. So if your friend was sitting next to you, what would he say to you about that? That kind of thing. So yeah. I think it's that personal development. For me, I think I will always, at least hopefully, always be learning. Yeah, the, the idea of lifelong learning. I think I'm just intensely curious um, and I, I love that. Like, I think I'm just curious, you know, and, and people say to me in the coaching sort of uh, relationship. So if I don't do these things I've agreed to do, what's going to happen? And he said, I said, well, I'm not going to be judgmental about it. I'm your, mm. you know, I'm hoping to champion you, but I am going mm. to be curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's that kind of thing. But I, I think the day I stop being curious will be the day I sort of kind of hang my boots up really. <laughs> well, there was, it was it was obvious to me that you and I have a lot of um, a lot of common areas we work in and some stuff we, we we both find mutually interesting and that curiosity for me is just I mean I'll, we'll, we'll be Lisa and I'll be lying in, in bed on a Sunday morning at seven o'clock and she's trying to sleep and I'm watching I, I'm watching a YouTube video I'm online I'm trying to learn something I'm trying to find out and I can't stop it <laughs> quite insatiable it becomes quite hard work actually and uh, unfortunately I do end up disappearing down a few rabbit holes about some very sure. <laughs> very, very niche specialist things like um how to make sure your room uh, audio sounds fantastic and all those sorts of things excellent um but like you, my biggest curiosity is with people. Yeah. I'm, I, for me, it's a constant. Why did they do that? Mm. Why did they do that? Why, why does someone want to do that? What's, what's come back to the story? What story are they telling themselves that makes them feel like, um, you know, that's what they want to do, or that's how they want to act? And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, n- not judgmental, because at the end of the day, you know, we we, we all have value. Yes. Um, but understanding actually what, what what thought process takes you there. I'm working with some people at the moment on on coaching, and um, and we've had we've had the workshop, and we've done we've done some follow up stuff and some one to ones and so on. What I like most is actually getting down and dirty in the real world and rolling my sleeves up and saying, right, let's look at the real world and a real day and what really happens and how does that make you feel and how can you be in control of how you feel and yes. um, just giving them those those tips that help them kind of work out for themselves as an alternative. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, and trying to convince people to stop telling people to do things because it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the exciting things I think about the developments over the last few months is that leadership has, you know, traditionally been about command and control. It's about mm. your position but now I think it's moving to that place of influence, whereas where it should be, you know, because, you know, if you're micromanaging a team, then, you know, your influence stops the minute you step out of the room. Hmm. But if you are, you know, coaching your team, if you're um, empowering your team, then your influence extends, you know, it just extends exponentially. 
Um, and I think, you know, when we're now in this kind of more virtual remote world, then influence is the way to go. And in fact, you know, the evidence suggests that millennials and Gen Z who are coming through now, hmm. that's what they want. They don't want people who are just saying, you know, just telling you what to do without any reason. They want people who care about them, who are going to help them grow um, and uh, and will listen, you know, as much as, you know, give, give good advice. So, hmm. yeah. Hmm. That's interesting because I also then see, um, I totally agree that, that, you know, the younger generation coming through now have got a got a much clearer idea maybe than, you know, certainly when when I first started my job in 1986 in Dixon's in Croydon, <laughs> you know, I would just do what I was told to do because that's how the world worked. Yes. Um, and actually my kids now, you know, my daughter's uh, just turned 21 and she's... Um, um, she's doing an engineering degree, you know, there's a real clear focus on, on what she wants to do. And she's very clear about how she wants to do it. And um, yeah. when they, when they go for interviews, it is a much more two way process. I'm interviewing the company to see if I want to be part of this culture Absolutely. Um, as well as, you know, I'm not just going to prostrate myself and say at, at, under any, any cost under any terms, I will come and work for you. Um, and actually, what's interesting is to then see the conflict between some people who are a bit more old school, a bit older generation, who who don't like that they can't just tell people to do things, yes. and who get frustrated about the fact that I just want to tell them what to do. But of course, of course, you do because that's easier for you. Yeah, but that's not what that's not what inspires people to be successful. No, I, I totally agree. Oh, we could talk for hours. Yeah. Let's talk for hours. Let's go on until the, <laughs> until the wee small hours. Let's see if there's enough tape in the machine. Um, changing the subject slightly. Uh, so you sound, it sounds like you've got a lot going on. How do you manage all this stuff then? How do you remain productive and, and get the right things done at the right time? What's your, what's your, what are your, what are your productivity tips? Do you have any? Do I, well, I think, you know, I, I think sometimes it comes back to, you know, Stephen Covey put out, you know, in terms of, mm. you know, just looking at the world and thinking about what's important and what's urgent. Mm. And those are the things that you should concentrate on um, as a priority. I think most of us, sometimes, I always put it this way, if you, if you don't know where you're going, if you haven't set a kind of direction, if you don't know the goal that you're heading towards, then everything mm. takes on equal importance and it's much more difficult to, um, to sort it. Um, I, you know, in a past life, I was a financial advisor and was the amount of uh, mail that you used to get about different things was was amazing. Uh, you know, talk about climate change. I'm sure we, you know, we caused some of it. But I think in terms of um, being clear about what I was doing, some of that stuff just went straight into the round file, you know, uh, because I knew what I was, was, was doing and I was mm. interested in that stuff and not the other. So I think the tip for me would be get clear on what you're doing and make sure you've got, you know, prioritize that which is important and urgent um, with, the, with the things that you're focused on mm. um, and make good use of a diary. <laughs> yes. um, you know, make sure that you put things in and, uh, and give yourself space between things. I think, one of the things I would say with the, the Zoom culture that we now have, um, it's important to actually have some space. Sometimes you can get into that kind of back-to-back -back Zoom meetings because because you can, um, mm. but actually it's not really good. You know, you kind of need that space to reset, take a breath, and you, you know you can't be on your A game if you're just constantly in in, in meetings. So mm. um, yeah, so just 
putting space in, making sure that, and it, it's the space that you perhaps had before when you were traveling to different appointments. Um, but because we don't do that so much, we, we think we can do more, but it's probably a bit of a mistake. Um, but yeah, I think just being clear about what you're doing, uh, prioritize. Uh, I, I make lists, I do make lists. Um, I, sometimes I make them and then tick them off because I've already just done them just to make myself <laughs> feel better. But, um, but actually, Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you, I, the older I get, the more I need to do that. You know, it seems that I, I don't have the memory I used to have. So I think it's just, you know, doing things that, you know, help you to be productive. You know, there's some great material out there that can help you. But, you know, be clear about where you're going. Know what you need to prioritize. If you, if you, want to, if you know when your best time of day is, then, you know, do the work that involves your most brain brain work at those mm. times of day and, mm. and put other things to other parts of the day where it's not so important. Um, mm. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, funnily enough, I'm, I'm working on, um, on a short piece for a client at the moment around my top four time management tips and you've just reeled them off. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so the, some reassurance that, uh, that we're looking in the right areas. Great. Well, look, we're coming up for the hour. Um, just, we we actually covered a lot more than I thought we'd cover in this conversation, which is fantastic. We've looked at we've looked at culture change. We've looked at culture in 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 organisations. Thinking about your voice and other people's voice and 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 how those things work together. Uh, you talked about experiencing different cultures, culture shock. The fantastic I see you. I'm here. That's got a red box around it in my notes. <laughs> I really like that. And then we moved on to resilience. It's about being flexible. It can be developed. Um, you gave us a brilliant analogy of a of a boat. It needs to be strong in some areas, but it needs to adapt. And the sails need to be in the right place for when the wind changes. Um, we talked about Nelson Mandela and his ability to be resilient through learning. Um, and then um, we talked about you talked about the kind of key takeaways. Really were not so much optimism, but realistic optimism. So being clear about how things really are. And uh, you talked about the difference between blaming things um, or understanding the story that you're telling yourself and the tape you're playing. Hmm. We talked about listening, coaching, goals, deciding what's important. Um, what haven't we talked about? What, what questions should I have asked you that I haven't asked you yet? Well, I think I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good hour, isn't it? it is. <laughs> I can't it's think fabulous. of anything. Good value for money. Yeah, it's great value. <laughs> so, in terms of um, where people can can uh, find out more about you, Mark, and what you yeah. do, um, this is the unadulterated self plugging section. I've just I've stolen the idea from um, uh, from the Ten Percent Happier app, but uh, it works. So, please plug away your website, your business a bit about your book where can people find out about you and learn more yeah sure so um best place to go to see what i'm doing is uh, is my website which is smartculture.uk um and you know i put out a weekly blog uh on you know different subjects like leadership personal development communication things like that so please feel free to have a look at those you can order the book on the website uh, there's a um, a banner, a, a menu there, just click ICU. Um, it, it will be available on Amazon and uh, you can get it as an ebook as well. So um, it's due to be published on the 9th of September. Um, but yeah, pro- uh, you can reach me on email by mark at smartculture.uk. Um, and if you want to uh, contact me by phone, you can do that as well. Uh, I'm sure we can put the details uh, around the 
podcast but and do you do things like twitter and instagram those sorts of things um i i have a linkedin account and uh you can get me on um on facebook as well so yeah those those are the two best best places probably so the website is smartculture.uk yes just to clarify, that's .uk, not .co.uk. That's correct, yes. UK. <laughs> uh, they can email you, mark, at smartculture.uk. They can uh, find the book, ICU, which you can order or pre-order. And I, I believe you've got some in your house, so if people ask me nicely, I can give them your home address and they can come around and buy one from you, presumably. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, and then they can look you up on LinkedIn and Facebook. That's it, yeah. Fabulous. This has been a great conversation, Mark. Thanks ever so much. I, I didn't mean to sound surprised, by the way. That oh, this has been surprisingly good. Thanks very much, I've, Steve. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed uh, talking about everything that we've covered. Um, we've covered so much. It's been a great value hour. This is chock full of stuff. Thanks very much. It's good to talk to you. Have a great day. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being on. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Mark. Um, what a great conversation that was. And what a great chap. Mark is a true gent and he clearly knows his stuff. So now we're back in the booth here. Um, I expect you can tell that we're back in the booth. This is a booth I use to do voiceovers and e-learning stuff and so on. Firstly, if you want to find out more about what Mark does at Smart Culture, you can go to smartculture.uk. You can email Mark. He is mark at smartculture.uk. Or you can go onto LinkedIn and Facebook and search for Mark Billage, M-A-R-K-B-I-L-L-A-G-E. Mark's new book, ICU, is all about culture, about teams, and how to create a great environment to help those things do really well. And you now know why it's called ICU. The book is packed full of ideas about resilience, teams, communication. So if you're interested, you can go to the website or you can go to Amazon. I'll put links to all of those in the show notes. Finally, I just want to say a big thank you to Louise Jenner. Um, I've known Louise for many years. She has a business called The Dream Job Coach. If you're um, unhappy in your job and you want to change your job or you want to change your job, then uh, have a look at Louise's website and she can give you some help. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Louise, through her network, met Mark, um, put Mark in touch with me, and we produce this podcast for you. The power of networking. But anyway... Thanks, Louise. Really appreciate it. Hope you're okay. That's it now for episode 74. Hope you've enjoyed it. I think it's been really great value. We've got another guest coming in our next episode. Here's a teaser. That episode's going to be all about getting fit in your body and your mind. In the meantime, if you want some support for your business or for a team in terms of developing skills, you can go to my new business website, sondevelopment.com. Oh, and also thanks to the people who recently took some time to send me a coffee for to Sharp Podcast. You know who you are. Thank you ever so much. So that's it. Here comes the outro. Um, is, it, is an outro an actual word? I must look that up. Anyway, if an outro is a thing, here it comes. We hope that you enjoyed what you've just listened to. Have a look at the show notes for the episode. They're at sharppodcast.com, one word, two Ps. And there you'll see the links resources that we used and there's reminders there to help you get better at what we talked about so now this is where you can help us you can share our episodes on social media we're on twitter instagram and facebook we are at sharp podcast one word two p's and another free way you can support is to give us a five-star review on 
Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher app. Thanks for your help. It's really appreciated. Bye-bye.